Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world begins the very first weekend of Lent. And how appropriate as we begin this season of Lent is the Gospel, in which Jesus, before he begins his ministry, he must go out into the desert, face down the devil and all of his temptations, in order for him to begin the work of salvation. Well, so too with us. Lent is that time in which we must go out into that spiritual desert we call Lent in order for us to begin to celebrate the resurrection and Easter. Now, what we have to recognize is Lent is just that time. It is a period, just like Jesus, in which we work on our temptations, those things that distract us away from God. Now, as I said before, temptation is not always a bad thing. In fact, it is precisely in resisting and struggling with those temptations that we come to know who we are. And part of knowing who we are is knowing who we are not. Now, you could say, again, Lent is our spiritual desert. You know, the desert is a place that is hard. It is a place that requires our complete time and attention. Well, so too does Lent. It is a time in which we have to be completely directed towards Jesus Christ. Our full attention needs to be placed on the basics Getting back to the basics of prayer, going to Mass every week, Stations of the Cross, adoration, going to confession. These are all ways in which we hone our attention to Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we overcome those temptations. Now the desert. Many of us have experienced the desert at some point in time in our life. Maybe southwestern United States or maybe in another country. The desert is a hard place. It's hard to live in the desert. There's very little life. Therefore, it requires your constant attention. You can't afford to be distracted when you're in the desert. In fact, I, as well as a few of my friends, when we were living in Israel, we would often go out into the desert and visit with people. They were called Bedouins. And Bedouins essentially were people that lived in the desert. We would refer to them as nomads. Essentially, they lived in tents and they had camels. And that's essentially what they called the desert their home. And each day... Each day, they were concentrated on the desert for survival. Every day, especially at the very beginning of the day, they would plan it out very carefully. They would always be careful as far as where they were in the desert. They were very careful as far as where they needed to go to get water, what well or oasis was nearby, where would they get food, what would they have to catch and kill for that day. Each day was a day of survival in the desert. Therefore, it warranted their complete time and attention. Nothing could distract them. If it did, it would cost them their life. And so it was a powerful example for us. And that's what Jesus went through in the gospel. Now, take it to a scriptural meaning. If you look in sacred scripture, the desert is a spiritually charged place where there are no distractions, 
where people in the Bible go in order to free themselves of temptations and distractions and finally encounter the Lord. I'll give you some examples. Moses, after killing an Egyptian official, he flees into the desert and remains there for several years as a shepherd before he finally encounters God in the form of the burning bush. Elijah, he walks 40 days and 40 nights in the desert without sleeping or eating before he encounters the Lord on Mount Sinai when he reaches his destination. How about St. Paul? In our Bible study, we found out that on the road to Damascus, when Paul reached his conversion, he didn't immediately go to Jerusalem and join the, the apostles. Instead, he fled into the desert, into the Arabian desert, and he remained there for three years. And it was only after that period that he went to Jerusalem and conferred with the apostles. And so the desert is a spiritually charged place, a place that requires our full attention, in which we must remove all those distractions. And therefore, Lent is our spiritual desert, in which we must take a hard look at our lives, remove those distractions that prevent us from drawing our attention from God and Christ in our life, and always be focused on Christ. Now, as we begin the gospel story, notice how it begins. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. Now, the first thing that we can take from this, Jesus is not following his will. Jesus did not wake up someday and say, hey, you know, I look kind of pale and clammy. I think I'm going to go out in the desert and catch a tan. No. Or he didn't say, you know, I really feel out of shape. I think I'm going to go out in the desert and hike a little bit or climb some mountains. No. Instead, he's following the will of the Father as he flees into the desert. Well, so too with us. As we begin this season of Lent, we must be following the will of the Father. Every time we pray, every time we go to Mass, every time we pray the Stations of the Cross, Eucharistic Adoration, Confess Our Sins, these are all ways in which we are following the will of the Father for us all. Now, the first temptation Jesus is hungry, and so he should be. Jesus hasn't eaten in 40 days. Now, for us, for many of us, fasting is hard. You know, many of us fast for lab tests, maybe for cholesterol or blood sugar, and we have to fast for maybe 8, 10, 12 hours. Well, that's hard. We want to eat. But Jesus has been fasting for 40 days, which is a huge difference. So we can only imagine just how hungry he truly is. Therefore, the temptation is for what? To use material goods to satisfy our bodily desires. The desires of food and drink and entertainment. The desires of maybe exercise. You know, we exercise a lot and we get that endorphin rush, that high. We like that. Now, should we avoid all those things? Well, no. Often I've said, you know, we're Catholics. We're not Puritans. We can enjoy all those things. Food, drink, entertainment. But the moment they become the center of our lives, the moment they dominate our lives, then we have some serious problems. See, those bodily desires and the indulgence of them should not be the central organizing principle in our life. I like St. Augustine. He likens bodily desires like children. He says, little children are very insistent. They want what they want, when they want it, how they want it. And so what do they do? They keep pressuring their parents for whatever it is. 
Now, parents know if they give in to every one of their child's indulgences, what will happen? Well, pretty soon that child is going to be running the house. Well, so too with us, Augustine said. If we give in to every one of our bodily desires, every one of our indulgence immediately, well, pretty soon those indulgences and desires will be running the house of our soul. Therefore, we have to resist those things. You know, again, it's in the very essence of resisting or struggling with those temptations that we find out who we are. Therefore, those bodily desires shouldn't be the sole determining element of who we are. Next, the devil takes Jesus, it says, up to see all the kingdoms of the world. And he says to Jesus, I shall give you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Now, I don't know if you picked on that detail where the devil says, all these kingdoms have been handed over to me. Well, that's a stunning indictment of the powers of this world, that the powers of this world are tainted or somehow influenced by evil. And they've been given to the devil. Now, notice what this temptation is. Well, it's a temptation of power, right? Power, we all know, is deeply seductive, very alluring. You look out through world history, you see individuals seduced by power. Napoleon, Caesar, Pol Pot, Hitler, Stalin. You see all these people... They get just a little bit of power, and what happens? They want more and more and more to the extent that now that they've seized this power, what do they do? They want to dominate and manipulate people or countries or events. Worse yet, they're ruthless in giving it up. They'll stop at nothing for it not to be taken away from them. Now, the other thing that's important is the fact that these people, they seem to overcome or rise above that first temptation. They seem to be in control of their bodily desires. But when it comes to the second temptation of power, they're deeply seduced by it. Well, look at us. Maybe we have some power in our life. Maybe it's not necessarily to manipulate a country or millions of people, but maybe we have some influence. Maybe we sit on a village council or a school board. Maybe we sit on a committee at work. Or maybe we are a supervisor in charge of people. We have just maybe a little bit of power. Well, avoid the temptation for more or to manipulate that power for your own benefit. Instead, use that power for the benefit of all people. Finally, the third temptation. The devil takes Jesus up on top of the parapet of the temple, which is essentially the roof. Now realize the temple is the epicenter of the entire Jewish life, the political, economic, spiritual epicenter. It's the symbolic of the entire Jewish life. Here the temptation is for glory, the ego. You know, if Jesus is standing on top of the temple, basically he's at the center of the entire Jewish people's lives. You know, looking at them. Everyone is looking at me, you know, obsessed with being noticed. It's the temptation of you know, how do I carry myself? You know, am I impressing others? What do people think of me? You know, the person that's obsessed with themselves. Well, what we have to do is if we feel this temptation in our life, what we should do, turn it upside down. You know, the temptation of the overinflated ego or glory, just the opposite is humility. Humility, a great virtue to practice now more than ever during this season of Lent. 
Humility comes from the Latin word humus, which means ground. For us to practice humility, it means we're grounded in our relationship with God and one another. If that's true, then glory and the inflated ego is something we do not desire. And so today we begin the first Sunday of Lent. It's a time in which we go out into our spiritual desert. We face down all those temptations, all those distractions in our life that prevent us from drawing closer to Christ. In doing so, we get back to the basics. Prayer every day, Mass every week, Stations of the Cross, Eucharistic Adoration, Confessing Our Sins. These are all ways in which we reach out to Jesus Christ in our life. And with Him in our life, we clear away all those distractions and overcome all those temptations so that we now are fit and ready to draw closer to Christ in the great celebration of Easter. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.